Uh, welcome, folks, to a special bonus episode of the Valley Labor Report. We are Alabama's only union talk radio show, and uh, politicians suck. Uh, you name one, whether they're Republican or Democrat, and I can probably tell you an example of a way that they have screwed over working folks. That's why that we believe that coming together, your sisters and brothers on the job, to make things better for yourself without a politician's permission and without the boss's permission, that's going to be the best way to make your life better, rather than going to the ballot box and uh, you know and voting for somebody who's who's ultimately uh, you know a lot of times not going to have your best interest at heart, but. The fact that politicians are able to uh, screw over working folks, the fact that they feel empowered to do so by their wealthy donors, uh, means that they still have power. And because it's election season, we wanted to help educate folks about the options that they're going to have here in the primary and in the general election in November. So we're talking to basically anybody running for office that's willing to take the time to talk to us and that we're interested in talking to Tim James is our guest this week. He is running for governor. He is an entrepreneur and a business leader. Uh, those are a dime a dozen, seems like, today. <laughs> uh, he is the son Hello. of former governor, Fob James. Tim, welcome to the Valley Labor Report. Thanks for talking to me. Jacob, good, good, uh, good Friday. Good, good Friday. And happy Easter. And uh, happy Passover weekend on this this holiest of holy weekends. Yes, sir. Yes, I, on, I told good you. Good to be on the show. Yes, sir. I'm glad to have you. We was talking uh, before we uh, before we started recording that uh, you know I'm going to be going to my granddaddy's church on Sunday for the first time in a couple years, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's been a while since he he's a preacher actually. Been a while since I've heard him preach, so I'm looking forward to it. Right. So. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll just we're just going to jump right into it. And I also told you before, um, you know, before the show that the coal miner strike in Alabama has been uh, has been at the top of our radar. Uh, working folks in Alabama have really been at the center of a surging conversation about a renewal of organized labor in the United States. And uh, one mm-hmm. of the focal points has been those thousand coal miners in Brookwood that are on strike against private equity-owned Warrior Met Coal. When politicians are not simply ignoring the issue like Governor Kay Ivey or reading Warrior Met press releases at Senate hearings like Tommy Tuberville, uh, they're outright restricting their right to speak and assemble like a Robert Bentley appointed Tuscaloosa County judge has done during the entirety of the strike. What are you going to be doing for these coal miners in Brookwood, whether you're elected or not? Well, number one, I can tell you uh, when I'm elected, these people going back to work. Um, I think isn't the holding company BlackRock? Yes, sir. That's right. So we're talk- we're really talking about BlackRock. Yes, the they hold the they big, hold the right? largest share of Warrior Met. They bought along with some other uh, DC and New York and Australia private equity firms in 2015 when the management took Jim Walters Energy into bankruptcy, those private equity firms bought them out and retained the same board of directors and CEOs, gave them a Mm -hmm. raise, while the coal miners took a $6 an hour pay cut, while the coal miners lost their pensions, while the coal miners uh, lost significant sums of their health care, and they aren't getting anything from anybody in Alabama as far as the political class is concerned. Well, it's worse than that. Um, they're making record profits because of the price of coal. Uh, the uh, you got a thousand Alabama workers. You know, government cannot get in the middle of a of a uh, a conflict. Uh, you know, and can't tell anybody what to do. But I can tell you this: I will use my influence. I will not allow state resources, and I understand they, they're sending troopers up there to bring out-of-staters through the line, and that will not happen. The only way I would ever use troopers is if there was ser- real violence, and there is no violence. And so this is a bullying tactic, basically. What you got here, um, Jacob, is you got the governor of Alabama doing the bidding for, for the big business boys, 
and uh, they all support her. They're giving her just boo coodles of money. And my heart goes with working class people. And I knew I knew this was a con. I knew that I, when because I, I read the I've read the data on it when I heard that one of the demands of, of the corporate side was that if you have four misses and that includes legitimate sickness, if you if you get sick and you miss a day, that counts towards a four a limit of four. And at that point, you get fired no matter if all of them were legitimate. I never heard of that. But when I when I learned that, I knew full well this is a bullying tactic. They're trying to destroy them, trying to break them down. They're bringing out-of-state workers in through the line, helping them go through the line. And I can tell you, you know, uh, this is unacceptable. And as governor, you know, I will step into the discussion. You can't make them. But I tell you one thing, Alabama will not uh, allow its resources, its law enforcement or anything else uh, to take advantage of Alabama working citizens, let alone coal miners or anybody else. I, I really I, I really like what I'm hearing from you on, on that. That's something that, um, you know, that that why, why do you think it is that nobody is talking about this? You know, I'm, I'm on WVNN and I I'm trying to bang the drums, get these folks like, uh, you know, Dale Jackson, uh, Phil, Phil uh, Williams, you know, Jeff Poor, all these folks on the radio. They're talking on the radio to the most powerful people in the state of Alabama every single i mean for hours a day and they never talk about how is it that this issue has gone totally uncommented on by you know the republican media apparatus and republican elected officials probably because there's so much material out there from a a president forcing mandates on american citizens and that they would lose their job uh swimming you got a male swimmer uh, taking up the, all the news because he's winning, winning all the girls swim meets. Uh, you got a war in Eastern Europe. I mean, there's a lot going on around the world and, you know, the g- important stories do get lost in the, in the news mix. And this is probably one of them. Right. Right. So have you been on the picket line with him yet? No, I didn't even know the the brevity of this issue really, to be honest, until a couple few weeks ago myself, I sat down with some of the guys and they began to explain to me and what was going on. And, uh, and that, this is where, I, this is where I stand on it. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that you've been, uh, you've been in conversation with them and I'm, I'm sure that they'd, uh, they'd welcome you on the picket line. Uh, let me, you, hey, do Jacob, let me tell you, something. let me tell you something. I might go to the picket line, but you're not going to get me to go 5,000 feet into the earth in one of those elevators right. into the bottom to, to in a coal mine. I don't, I don't, you know, I can do a lot of things, but that I don't think I can do. You realize that you realize guys that do that are some kind of tough, fearless guys. It's amazing. I've always loved coal miners. My dad loved them. Just love the personalities and uh, just family is generational. And to lose that, to lose that that generational work, you, you know, they, they all act like they they're big. They look like linebackers. Uh, is a is an absolute shame, and we've got to we got to use the influence that we can to make this problem go away. And I, you know, I will not, I won't sit idly by and let corporate America, BlackRock, any of the rest of them, uh, unfairly penalize Alabama citizens. And I, you know, we'll. We'll talk about it publicly, and we'll see what they're made of. See how much pressure those boys can take. Well, there you go. That sounds that sounds good to me. Um, one of the things that intersects with the strike is uh, is the state of uh, freedom of speech in this country. Um, you know, like I said, they have been limited for the entire. I mean, they've been on strike for over a year now, and they've been limited the whole time how many people they could have on the picket line. First it was 11, then it was 5, then it was 6. For a couple mi- for a couple months they were banned totally outright. They could not have picket lines. Now, I think uh, by his good graces that Tuscaloosa County judge has allowed two people on the picket line at one time. Um, what how do you, you know, is that something that the state should be doing? Should be telling people when and where and how they can and can't 
protest the boss in their state? What was the and I was aware of that, but I never really took the time or haven't had the time to read the reasoning that the judge gave. Did what did he say? What was the what was his purpose or what was his reason? Uh, the reasoning limitation. was because of, quote unquote, union violence. And of course, on a picket line, you're going to have some skirmishes, right? You're going to have some some consternation between the scabs, who are, you know, uh, bending over for the company, basically. Uh, you know, you're going to have some, some issues there. But the vast majority of the instances cited have been where the scabs have run into the striking miners and the striking miners turn around and kick the car or turn around and, you know, bust the window after they've been hit. So it, mm-hmm. se- it seems totally, totally out of proportion to what has happened. It does. It does. It does. It does. And a limitation like that is absurd on his face. And, you know, as governor, I'm just telling you, I'll get in the middle of it and uh, probably resolve it in an afternoon because, uh, I suspect, I suspect BlackRock and in, in the corporate side, they don't, you know, whether they want to really get crossed up with the governor in a state where their coal mines are inspected by the state of Alabama and tough questions can be asked. So, you know, I want fairness. I'm not looking to abuse anybody, but I will not allow Alabama citizens to uh, to be abused by Wall Street corporate uh, groups. Uh, They have every right in the world to buy any asset they want, operate it. But I expect fairness in Alabama. Uh, Some lawmakers in Alabama have have tried to further restrict the ability of working folks to speak freely, protest the state, protest their boss, um, by trying to pass so-called anti-riot bills um, that they would, uh, and it didn't pass in the last session, and these bills would... uh, Obviously, I think they'd be used against uh, folks who are on the picket line. Uh, they would enable people to, without being convicted, be held for uh, 24 hours before uh, before they're let go, before they can post bail, and they can be convicted according to uh, according to numerous numerous lawyers that a properly motivated da could convict somebody of quote-unquote rioting under the new definition if uh, even if they had not damaged any property or hurt the hair on a single per- hurt a hair on a single person's head that seems to me to be uh, again just a vast overreach how, how have you felt about the so-called anti-riot bills that have been uh, that well, have that, been, been trying you, to pass across what, the uh, across the country and in this state well, you know, what you're des- what you're describing is uh is it would be a first amendment violation i think a lot of that stemmed from some of the craziness uh some of the Black Lives Matter overkill, some of the junk out west and northwest. But uh, we have a, we, 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 there is a right to assemble uh, peacefully. And uh, if the, the idea that you could criminalize that uh, is so unconstitutional on its face, on its face uh, I, I just can't believe that that would really get real legs. Uh, so you wouldn't now, support the uh, anti-riot bills that have been uh, uh, no, put forward? I, no, I, no, I don't support anything. I believe in the right to assemble. If you break the law, if you start tearing things up, burning buildings down, uh, painting monuments because you don't like the monument, just uh, tearing up, abusing public property, that's against the law. I'm going to lock you up and put you in jail. But if you are assembling on a picket line or anything else, you have that right. You have that constitutional right. Uh, Labor has every right to assemble, every every right to strike or not strike, and uh, and to be bullied or, or threatened by some zealous district attorney is unacceptable. Uh, one issue that uh, another issue that, that that we don't see a lot of talk about is wage theft. I think it's particularly prevalent in industries like uh, like construction and service sector work. Um, numerous studies have found that wage theft accounts for more stolen value than all property crime combined, and uh, and yet most you know most working folks don't even know 
that they're being stolen from, much less where to go to report it, much less feeling safe to report it. Because if you if they report it, they know good and well that uh, you know they'll they'll be retaliated against because the protections are so. Um, are so non-existent in this country and, and in this state for protecting workers from their boss stealing from them. Have you given any thought to addressing when wage theft stealing, at the state level? You mean not paying, when you say stealing, you mean not paying them for the hours they worked? Yes, yes. Minimum wage violations, overtime violations, things like that account for more theft in this country than all other property crime combined. That's that's uh, unspeakable. Right. Yeah. And (laughs) I mean, that's what I think uh, that I think it's unspeakable. And the uh, the penalty for a boss who uh, violates minimum wage laws, who violates overtime laws, uh, who who does these things is uh, is certainly not going to jail. If I, you know, if I go into my local Walmart and I try to steal something, uh, I, you know, I take a ride in a paddy wagon. But if a boss does that, even if he gets caught, he might have to, he might just have to make the worker whole if he even does that. And then after he makes the worker whole, he'll probably fire him because he's angry. Well, that's, that's, I need to look at that. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, I can tell you this, if a, if an employer uh, intentionally, uh, that's just that's stealing. You might as well go in the house and steal the money, or steal steal something of value. Intentionally do something. That's that's just raw theft, right? And it ought to be treated that way, right? Well, there there you go. You heard it. You heard it here first. Um, and you know, speaking of uh, uh, you know minimum wage violations, that brings us to you know the minimum wage in Alabama is still seven dollars twenty five cents an hour. Forty uh, percent of Alabama workers make less than fifteen dollars an hour, which I think, even in this state where we have a very low cost of living, you're talking about. Thirty thousand, twenty-eight thousand dollars a year. If even if you're making fifteen dollars an hour, uh, that's not a salary that uh, that I would like to live on. Certainly, I don't think that uh, you know. I don't. I don't think that you would like to live on twenty-eight thousand dollars a year. Much less, less than that. I actually saw. Uh, it was two days ago. And honestly, I didn't even know that there were places that were still trying to pay a minimum wage in Alabama. But there are. I saw a coffee shop advertise why you would advertise this on social media in Gunnersville uh, saying that, you know, we pay seven dollars and twenty five cents. I'm like, why would you want people like who's going to who's going to apply for that job? When you can't when you can't find anybody to work anyway. I mean, everybody's looking for labor. Right. Everybody. would, so would you support uh, raising the minimum, the minimum wage statewide in Alabama to, uh, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen dollars an hour? No, I, I don't think that's I, I, I believe in at a minimum, let the free market drive it. And uh, as much as I will fight and protect rights of workers, I think we need to be uh, wise and rational and uh, leave it alone and let the, let the free market drive it. I don't know anybody. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm out of touch, but, uh, you know, I talk to a lot of people and people in jobs today because the, the need and the desire for work and construction and everything else. I mean, a babysitter is 20 bucks an hour. Uh, in many cases, in, everywhere. So I, I, I wouldn't, I would not support that. But uh, I support a fair playing field, and let the market work itself. Let supply and demand. Let so me, you think you, you know? You, you're... Let me mention. Let me let me mention something. Just kind of take that in a different direction too. Uh, in Alabama. In the early 2000s, in 2009, we were ranked uh, 39th in the nation in reading. And about that time, we were like 27th in the nation in math. We are now basically dead last behind Mississippi. You know, we used to say, thank God for Mississippi. Now they say, thank, thank heavens for Alabama. So we have collapsed educationally in this state. And the answer 
to to lifting everyone is public education, K through 12. And we're failing miserably. At the same time, the revenue going into the education trust fund has been growing at double the rate of inflation for 10 years, for a decade, except it's getting worse. And if the 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 fix on higher wages is education. Um, there was a there's a statistic that has been in place for a long time. It's true today, and, and it's the foundation years. If a child can read and perform math in the third when they leave the third grade at that level, it puts them on a trajectory to graduate from high school and become a productive citizen. May not go to college, and may go to trade school, but they will they will be successful in what they do. If they are behind, if they're not scoring at that level in the third, the trajectory is lower. They become a statistic. They come out of high school with a diploma that's worthless. And then and then they prison, there's a direct correlation bet- between grade scores in the third grade and um, in prison. And this workforce. So you've got to educate your workforce. And it starts in the in the in these foundation years. That's that's the real answer to higher paying jobs um, across the board. So, yeah, I definitely think that is that is an answer. I think that I think that there are other answers, but that that is what I wanted to talk about next was education. And I found when I was when I was, you know, scrolling through your website um, before, um, you know, in prep the last couple of weeks, I found something that was that I thought was uh, was fascinating because this is something that um, that advocates of of public education that uh you know that teachers um that you know that that folks have been pointing to for a long time and to see it on on your website uh, uh, you know a republican running for governor it really it really shocked me and i'm trying to see if i can find the quote here but it was about the um it was about the pub uh 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 the the funding of schools through local taxes, which creates a system where, obviously, higher income neighborhoods have better schools uh, through property taxes. They fund, you know, a large part of the funding comes through property taxes, and so higher, uh, you know, higher income areas have better schools because they have more money um, because the the kids come from you know wet, more well-off backgrounds as well um, and, and that helps them in school because they're not worried about you know is is my mom gonna be home when I get home uh, am I gonna have food when I get home you know all this other stuff that comes with poverty but uh, but the schools have more funding in higher income uh, areas and and you you link to an article on your site kind of attacking that is that a part of your education plan the um the uh attacking funding of of public education through property taxes i'd have to look back at it and read the context i I don't remember uh i don't remember i'd have to look at specifically what you're talking about um the but I would, you know, I would like to mention, you know, the school choice, which basically gives poor uh, schools or poor districts options and helps them tremendously and gives them, uh, it's a levels, the playing field and what school choice is. And let me tell you something. Uh, I know, I know you're a labor guy and that's good. I like it. I like, uh, I, I like the back and forth. But the AEA, the Alabama Education Association, you know, they, they're, they're a union and they have every right to, to represent their constituents. And that's, that's fine. But the problem is we're failing. I mean, um, if we weren't failing, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But then we're not just failing, but we're double dog dead last. So I support school choice. Now, what that means is right now we fund every child the money is block grant block granted in bulk to each school uh, based on the number of students in those schools. So if, you know, if you're in an underperforming school or maybe a poor neighborhood in West Jefferson County, um, your family stuck. What do they do? Their kids are stuck in an underperforming school. Pathetic. And I want to give those parents an options or various options where they could take the money that effectively is allocated for their children and put the, and do something with it. 
and the, and it's called school choice or you could get tax credits. There's a lot of ways to doing it where that mom or dad, uh, rich, poor, black, white, anybody whose kid is in a, in a school and they're unhappy with the performance can pull their child out and take that voucher and go to any other public school that has a slot. They can go to any private school that will accept the vouchers, any charter school, any homeschool. Homeschool is a big deal. And those numbers are really rising, especially during the COVID. And, the, and homeschool kids tend to score about 38% higher than the national average. Now, that's how you give working class families or lower income families a way out. And they're not just hogtied into that into that underperforming school. Um, well, so the the, the I found the article that I was looking for, and, and uh, it was an article that was uh, uh, linked to on your site. A letter to the editor, unfair funding distribution in Alabama education. Uh, one of the quotes says, many schools receive funding from property taxes from the city in which the school is located. In a very wealthy city, they will have higher property taxes than a more impoverished city and are able to allocate funds and resources to invest in their schools. A school with an impoverished population would be unable to do so. Because of this, I think the Alabama State Department of Education funding should be distributed more equitably among public K-12 schools. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Okay. So as far as the school privatization, though, this is, you know, I think that I think that the conversation has been largely we agree. Um, and, and I think that uh, and I wasn't expecting that, to be honest, I, I, I was expecting it to be a bit more contentious to start off. But, but I, I do think that, that we're going to have uh, we're going to have some disagreements here because uh, the you, you know, you've said that that education is like one of your top campaign issues. And um and, and I don't think that that's unreasonable. I think education is important. And, and you've correctly noted that Alabama is like at the bottom of a lot of metrics that are really important. And, and you right. said that public education is, you know, uh, that is the foundation of, you know, th that's going to that's what's going to educate our our youth in Alabama. And that's where that's where all you, that's where most of the, your taxes go to right. education. But, the least you can. The least that you can expect is to get your money's worth to some degree. Right, right. And the taxpayers about this state are not getting their money's worth. And right? the there you would are, agree. And there are you Good know food. people who research this kind of stuff, and they found some of the things that actually that 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 schools you would expect to underperform based on their zip codes income. Right. So we know that, you know, income is is pretty tightly correlated to a school's performance and in, in all these metrics. And uh, there always, are schools. Jacob, yes. Jacob, not always. There are plenty of examples where where well, sure, not always, but it's very tightly correlated. Oh, but the problem is the models are there. There are plenty of models where extremely poor uh, areas in inner cities and other places are knocking it out of the park. So, right. I, I do not agree that uh, that there's a, that there ought to be that or there is a direct correlation between poverty and lousy schools. Well, I if you don't, don't agree buy. with that, then you're wrong. Like, that's just what the no, no, that's no. just what the data shows. No, I, no, no. What I'm saying is it shouldn't be. Oh, it shouldn't be. That's correct. It should not be. And I believe these children can can perform given the given the right leadership in the schools. Yes, that's, that's exactly. And that's what I was going to point to is that, uh, you know, there are there are some like repli replicatable things that these schools Correct. that overperform do they have teachers that have high right. expectations uh for their students that are invested in their students academic success teachers take control they're not like you know hovered over by their principal or their school board uh there's a lot of support to help teachers get uh better at what they know and learn more things there's constant assessment of where students are there's a leverage of strong community support and the voucher programs like these have been tried all across the country, and they don't really have the success. You know, I've I've heard a lot of your interviews where you talk about you know these abstract principles of converse uh, of of competition, like competition is going to improve things. You know, free market this, free market that. 
but we actually have like this has been tried and we have the results in Louisiana two years after their voucher program was implemented a student who started at 53rd percentile dropped to 37th percentile in math by and large those negative effects persisted through year four uh, particularly in math and science in Indiana students in the program in the voucher program taking advantage of this program they saw initial dips in math that persisted for four years. The Ohio study showed that even three years into the program, the negative impacts of using a private school voucher persisted. uh, DC tells a slightly different story. Student test scores fell two years into the program, but by year three, the vouchers had no clear difference. So, like, the consensus is that either vouchers have no effect or, and this is for the people who actually use the vouchers. Think about the people who are left behind, the schools who are left behind by the lack of the funding that is pulled out of these schools. Like, they just don't work. They just don't work. And so I'm wondering why why you and, and so many other people are pushing the voucher, the, this, this failed program of school privatization. Because I don't buy, I don't buy what you're saying. I mean, I, I can't speak to what other states are doing. They can have lousy leadership, whatever. But I can take you all across the state. I went to a a, a Christian school up in Northeast Jefferson County this week. 65 percent of the kids were black. All lower can't come, and they're killing it on thirty four or five hundred dollars per child per year. So that, that's just nonsense. That's a labor union. That's AEA right out of the AEA handbook. And just because another states maybe they're not doing it right. Maybe they don't really care. Maybe that who knows? All I know is if a parent who lives in Bessemer or one of those schools out there has a voucher and they want to drive their kid and put them in Vestavia, it's going to help them. It's not going to hurt them. That's absurd. Or drive the end and give in and put their kid in Briarwood in Birmingham. So, you know, you're saying that it doesn't work. It does work. They must be doing something wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, it's-, it's common sense. It's common sense. It, it, look, you got a kid, the kids in some a lousy bottom 20 percent school in this state. And all of a sudden that mom can take her child and drive them 15 miles and put them in Mountain Brook. And you telling me the kid's not going to get better. Are you kidding me? I think. And this is this, this is just what this oh, is just what don't the, back up. Don't back no, up. No, no, no. I'm not backing up at all. I'm not backing up at all. This is what this is just what the data shows that that they're not effective for the people who utilize the vouchers or the people who are left behind. Uh, and what I would the the reason that I would give for that is I would imagine that the people who use the vouchers they have a stronger family support system than maybe others uh, and so they would have that so they are not falling far from where they are or they're not doing much better because they were already doing well in the other school because they were motivated they had a family that was motivated they had a family that was helping them uh but that doesn't help you know the 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 the, the people that you're looking to help are by and large uh the the poorest people the people who have the least support they're by and large or um, almost unanimously not going to be able to move or utilize these vouchers and it seems to me pretty obvious that the that the better answer to instead of pulling funding from public education and putting it in private schools or or giving uh better off schools even more money is to just help support the teachers in the community support the community and uh, support the schools that are there because uh Every school, every student, no matter their zip code, I think should have a quality education. And I don't believe that the, there's just there's no reason to believe from the data that we have, from the experimentation that we've had in other states, that that's that the voucher program, that privatization of public schools is going to get us there. That's just not true. Maybe Mavis Conway in Chicago, the inner city, they, they, there's too many examples and, you know, I, I hear you, Jacob. I hear you loud and clear. But that is the rhetoric right out of the education establishment in Montgomery who are terrified of a guy like me who's going to expose it and going to try and change it. And if, if we were not dead last, 
Again, I'm going to repeat the stat. You've seen it. You know it. How do you go from 39th in reading and 27th in math to 50th? That was when, when the revenue the revenue into education has grown at double at double at double the rate of inflation. There is no correlation in throwing if you're wanting to move more money, you can throw more money at it. You're going to get the same outcome, and and it, it's it's it, and of course you want better teachers, and of course you want to support teachers. I'm not saying you do this in lieu of that. I'm saying this will enhance that, but. Leaving a leaving families, uh, giving them an option uh, to to get out of uh, a bad situation, j- that just seems like the right. Being if you know we're going to take care of working class people, union or non union, that's how you do it. Yeah, and I think if, I, I mean I, I think that a better way to do it would just be to to help their schools, and then not only would that what do you child mean help their school? do what? But what does that mean? What does it mean, help their schools? It would mean in these communities where the property taxes are not such that they get a lot of funding, it would be potentially giving them more funding. It would be uh, giving the teachers uh, more training, more education. It would be helping these students who live in poverty, who, uh, you know, uh, helping them outside of school there. But like I said, I mean, these there these are public schools in Alabama. That's where this information came from that I was talking about the the ways that they were able to succeed. is, uh, you know, like having, uh, you know, a lot of it, like you said, it's not all about the dollars. It Dollars help, right? But it's not all about the dollars. It's about, uh, you know, teachers not being told every single thing that they have to do. It's about teachers having high expectations. It's about uh, support for the teachers. It's about assessment for the students and the teachers. And, you know, there are lots of places where they don't have that. And I don't think that you fix that problem by, you know, even if we could say, that it's going to rescue one one kid. Why not rescue him and all of his classmates? Well, I, I mean, I, I hear you, but you know, uh, they're failing. Everything they're doing is failing. It's not about money. It's about discipline. It's about strong principles. Um, and if 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 the local school boards there were halfway doing their jobs, teachers could teach. They deal with you know. The, the issue of discipline in the classroom has, has reached critical mass. I travel the whole state. Teachers tell me every day, I can't teach. I got 23 kids in my class. Two of them are out of control. I'm a babysitter, and the other 20 can't learn. That's that's discipline. That's that's not the, the teacher's job is not to be a babysitter. The teacher's job is to teach, and the and and the student's job is to learn. And where you know you, you have discipline issues. You have weak principals who tolerate this sort of thing. I mean, these are the these are the fixes that we will, will we will uh, push and put in place. I believe that you want the best principals in this country in the underperforming schools. You got to pay them more money to get them there. Pay them bonuses tied to performance to get the Nick Sabins in in these bad schools. There are too many examples of, and I'm I'm sort of giving the other side of this. The, the there's so many examples of putting a strong principle and giving them unfettered uh, authority to do whatever they want to do, and they turn a school around, and the same demographics, the same everything, and it can be done. The one thing we got to do, and this is something the governor can do, is change the culture um, of it and how we think about this. People think, well, they just poor and they can't do it. They can do it. Every child can perform. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care how much money your family's got. You can perform. Um, we got. We have to get away from this, and this is a generational thing for about a generation or two. That life, you know, we expect life to be fair. Life is not fair. And if you love your children, you'll you, you'll be honest with them and say, "Look, life's not fair. You, some people have to work harder than others. That's just the way it is." And. Um, and we begin to remove the crutches and we raise the expectations and we've got to get disciplined. And, and all of this is all a part of the same thing. This is a frontal assault on public education and, you know, to try and turn this thing around and get it going in the right direction. 
I think that there's definitely a lot that I would, uh, uh, you know, uh, there, there's a lot there that I would agree with as far as, you know, supporting, uh, supporting teachers and, and making sure that they're able to, uh, that they're able to teach, that they're, they're not, you know, having all, <clears throat> all these crazy standards. I, I think that we'll have to agree to disagree about uh, the privatization of public schools. Um, another thing that you, that you've said in other interviews about that is the, um, is that you think that there ought to be no strings attached, which I think sounds sounds odd. I think that we should, you know, have a certain amount of oversight uh, if people are receiving public dollars. But uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about about education is you released an ad on the uh, Magic City Acceptance Academy. <clears throat> And the, uh, the academy has since talked about how their students have been harassed, uh, their teachers have been harassed since that ad has come out. They've had to increase security. Do you have any comment about that? Yeah, I, I do. The Magic City Acceptance Council of Public School, it was funded, KIV funded that school with $2 million uh, in the budget of your taxpayers' money. Uh, it is the only LBGTQQ school. It was the first one in the South. It's one of two in the United States. And uh, it is what they call an LBGTQ affirming school. And to affirm means, means to confirm that it is true. And I will tell you, it is not true. They, these children, uh, my, my heart goes out to these children I, I give, you know, I, the, I, my compassion level for these kids is uh, tremendous. They are struggling and I understand it, but I will not come into an agreement with a lie from Satan and they're being abused. This is abuse. So you, so, so that's you a string, up, right? Because this is a charter finish. school. Um, so you're, it's so, public. so you're attaching strings now to your no strings attached. Charter, no, I wouldn't uh, have given the, I wouldn't have given them the charter and we're going to it was governor I will shut the I will shut it down the charter should have never been given the charter schools or schools like the the math and science school in mobile these specific things and the idea that that in the state of Alabama we would have a uh, a a public school a charter school uh, where faculty, teachers put on drag shows at the school for the children is unbelievable. This is abuse. You don't Do you think that we should grade. end uh, powder puff football games, for example, where the football players dress like cheerleaders and the cheerleaders play a football game? Totally different thing. Totally different I mean, everybody, thing. Do you think every, that we should end beauty pageants? Every, it's, it's a totally different thing. Totally different everyone thing. knows it. And when a principal walks around the school in drag, all the time throughout the year in front of sixth graders and seventh graders who are, who are going through this confusion in their life. This is abuse. And I will tell you right now, I will stop it dead in its tracks. I think that, I think that there are a lot of people who, who, um, I, I, I don't think that it's unreasonable that people, uh, that identify that way when they're young, they would want to go to an affirming environment where they're not going to be harassed because when I was in school, um, and I don't, I don't feel like I'm effeminate at all, but I dressed nice and, uh, people called, uh, people would like, uh, you know, call me faggot, like <laughs> in the hallways and stuff. It wasn't a lot. It didn't bother me because I had friends. Um, and you know, I was like, whatever it doesn't bother. But I could imagine if I was gay or if I did feel like I was trans, that would be like a really big deal. And I don't know why I wouldn't, uh, you know, why we wouldn't say that, okay, you know, if, if there's a, uh, you know, if there's a school that wants to be like, particularly accepting of, of this community. They want to advertise themselves in that way uh, so that people can, can uh, you know, get rid, uh, you know, be free of some of that harassment that they're going to face in other schools. You know, that doesn't seem like crazy to me. And you talk about drag shows and, and you know, people think that, oh, that sounds crazy. I've seen the pictures and it's not like they were overly sexual. It's just that there were some men that were dressed like women and there were some women that were dressed like men. Uh, and that was it. And it was like they looked funny. They looked funny. They were all like laughing. It was like a funny thing. I don't think it's funny. I think it's abuse. It's abuse. 
And my message to these children. So why don't you think that beauty pageants are abused, though? Because you've got like actual toddlers that can be. Hey, Jacob, stop. Either you're going to let me finish my sentence or this thing's over with. You're going to let me answer or not? Yeah, I feel like I've been letting you answer. Yeah. No, either button your lip and let me answer or, or we don't need to talk. Are you gonna are you gonna continue? So this is a serious issue. And and you can't you put it off in just passing. First of all, we're talking about public money that people pay their taxes, and they have a right to have say so in how their taxes are spent. And when you take when you take this money and you put it into a school that basically celebrates a lifestyle and agenda that most people are totally against and are being pushed on in the, in our culture. And you, and you get surprised when the, when the, when the people finally kick back and say, I don't want my money spent this way. And then they'll say, well, they're there. They were that we did it because they were getting bullied. And you, you know, that's, that's just not true. You don't put on drag shows. You don't think these children. kids get bullied? Number two, Number two, well, bullying, of course, bullying exists, but you can be overweight. You there's a people get bullied all the time and it's not good. Children can be extremely cruel, but that doesn't mean the state of Alabama gets in the in the LBGTQ schooling business, which is what they done. And I guess the vilest part of this, and this is something you haven't seen, but you will. Um, when a principal who is the head of a school, the authority is walking around these children in drag like it's just another day in the park that tells you how how deep and how how just pathetic this thing has gotten so that, my 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 who i care about the children i can, i will protect them with every ounce of strength strength that i have and i won't allow it and i will shut this thing down as governor and my compassion will be great for these little ones these kids but I will have no compassion and no mercy for these teachers and this principal and this whole system who are indoctrinating these ch- children who are vulnerable and in a vulnerable, vulnerable stage of their life. Yeah, I think that uh, <clears throat> I mean, here again, we're just going to have to agree to disagree because I think like you, I, I think that people should, uh, you know, unlike you with like Christian schools, for example, I think that this school should be, uh, you know, I think that there should be some oversight, make sure that the kids are learning, make sure that they're actually learning. You know, you don't think that we need that for like Christian schools, for example. I think that we should have that for everybody that uses public dollars. We should make be making sure that kids are using uh, that the kids are learning. But other than that, like, I don't I mean, I just don't have a problem with people like playing dress up. Uh, You know, I think that uh, I think that if there's a sexual element to it, I think that we should stamp that out. But like, I don't have a problem with people, people, you know, dressing, dressing funny. And I think that this is and and this is, you know, the last thing that we'll talk about is is your kind of a a big part of your campaign is the culture war. And and you you put this you say that economics is second and the culture war is first. And, And one of the things that you say is that, you know, prayer was taken out of schools and so everything's like gone downhill from there uh, because George Washington says that a, that a, that a, uh, a nation who turns its back from God is uh, no longer going to get the smiles of heaven or something like that and every time I hear that I just stuff like that I mean it just baffles me because for one I prayed in school um, we had the fellowship of Christian athletes that I went to on multiple Fridays where I heard my friend my friends give uh, you know give talks I heard teachers give talks I heard guests give talks that was not precluded from me and it's not precluded from other people for praying before we got a test praying before we got a ball game I don't you know I, I think that it's reasonable that we wouldn't bombard uh, random ball game goers with prayers that they may or may not go uh, agree with, but no one's stopping people from praying. And additionally, to believe that we've gone downhill is to believe that we were better before. And so the last thing that I want to ask about the culture war and about God smiling on us and stuff is that, like, do you actually think that as far as morality is concerned, a Christian morality, that a country that enslaved people 
that a country that lynched folks who tried to run away for freedom, who lynched gay folks, who was incredibly, incredibly oppressive to these communities. Do you think that a country like that is closer to a Christian ethic than a country where people are not going to be harassed, two men are not going to be harassed for like kissing each other or something? That was the most uh, gobbled gook I think I've ever heard. So you're, you're all mixed up. The, we're a nation of law and not of men. And then we have a constitution and the constitution says what it means and means what it says. And it's been usurped from the foundation of the, the nation. These sorts of issues, whether you agree with them or not, is not the point. The point is these are state questions, right? School prayer, abortion, game, all these things. And, and they don't even disagree. But no one even argues that, that they are legitimately constitutionally state questions. The issue is the Supreme Court usurped the Constitution and took for itself a right that it did not have, and uh, basically uh, stepping all over the Bill of Rights. Now, let me give you the other side to that. The other side to that is that the Supreme Court, called the Taney Court, um, in the 1850s did the same thing, and they ruled that uh, neither Congress nor the states could regulate slavery in a case called Dred Scott. Lincoln ignored. Lincoln said, you know, slavery is going to get settled one way or another, but you nine guys on this court are not going to do it. We're not going to obey. We're not going to follow. So you can't have it both ways. What I'm talking about is usurpation. And the issue is to be determined by the states. Some states will, some states won't. And uh, that's that's the issue. This is, you know, the term government overreach is kind of the buzzword nowadays. But what it really is, is usurpation. And uh, I believe we should have prayer in schools. And you're wrong on something. Coaches, a coach cannot say, all right, boys, hit a knee and say the Lord's Prayer before a game. And or he can get fired. So, no, there is a restriction in our public schools. Now, some do it, and, and a lot of people, and, and, and we're in a Christian state for the most part, and that's good, but they could be fired for doing it, and that, and it shouldn't be that way. So, so no answer to the question about, you know, because the, 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 the proposition that you make, you know, if removing prayer from schools, which, which I, I find to be absurd as a premise, but if, you know, let's stipulate that, that that happened, that we removed prayer from schools and, and that the country oh, went to hell in a handbasket. Uh, the case is called the tally. No, I know the case that you're referring to. It said that teachers can't force kids to pray or can't force them to listen to them pray. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No one's saying forcing is called voluntary prayer. In other words, if a school board wants to have an invocation over the intercom, they ought to be able to do it. Right. That the case says that you, you can't force people to pray to, and you can't force people to listen forcing, to your prayers. You're not, you're not for well, you, well, that's tough. You're not being forced to pray. No one has to pray. But and it but also a, says you're not forced to listen to people's prayers and it's not stopping you from praying. And so I don't I don't but but just I so I have an issue with that as a premise, but just let's stipulate it. If you say that the country is worse off as far as the Christian morality is concerned than we were before like, how do you justify that? Because before we lived in a society where, you know, immediately before, like, we had Jim Crow, right? Uh, before that, we had slavery, um, you know, obviously the rep repression of, you know, gay folks, obviously, you know. So it seems to me that, like, I, I, would, I would hope that, that a God would be, you know, that, that God would be more pleased with where we are now than where we were then, because I would be, like pretty worried about a God that is less concerned about slavery and the subjugation of entire race of people than he is about like gay folks. Right. God's not happy that we've taken the lives of 75 million unborn babies in this country by the same court. So, no answer. That's my answer. 
I mean, we either you're a Judeo-Christian nation or you're not. And so you think, like when we were when we had slavery, we were a more ethical, more Christian ethical nation. That's not that you're you're comparing two different things. We're saying in our public schools we remove God and all hell's broke loose in the in the country. Right, right. And And so presumably hell was kept in before, right? It's broke loose now because we're not praying in schools. It's two different things. It's it's two different things. There's been sin in the nation. There's no doubt. But we've just we're on this decline. And you look at the so nation. So we were better before. Yes, as a nation, we were. In we spite were we were better when of, we had Jim Crow and slavery. That's what I was looking for. Huh. Is that right? You know better than that. So we weren't. We're better now. No, the nation has been on decline for half a century, and if if we do not turn if this nation doesn't turn back to its christian foundations this nation will we will lose it so we were better off before as far as As a nation okay we had a civil war but we had a civil war over slavery Uh, half a million americans died brother like i mean it's just like i don't know it's pretty simple to me that we are as far as like a christian ethic is concerned i think that we're doing better now. The question is just, do you think we are or do you think we're not? Before, like, when we had Jim Crow, when we had slavery. Well, you're, you're, it's, it's all, it, I mean, sin is sin. So it it's all wrong. the same. No, it's not the same. It's different, it's different sin. Jim so, Crow ended in the 50s. Right. Um, it probably took from then about... 30 years before we really had uh, integrated properly in the, in the nation. And there's a lot of improvement and let's not, let's not deny our past, but that has nothing to do with the fact that when you re- when you remove God from a nation that God will, that uh, the blessings will continue. It won't. That's what Washington told you. Sure. Sure. So closer to God before when we had slavery and Jim Crow. I'm not following you. The, are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really, I'm really not like trying to be an asshole, right? I just because this is something that I talk to like with with some friends and family that that I love, that I love, and I I can you know like being a union guy, like you've got to be able to talk to folks who disagree with you, right? And I. I have these conversations all the time with, you know, folks that I've worked with, folks that I break bread with all the time. I still love them. I still but I can't understand believing that we are worse, we are a more morally bankrupt country now than we were before as you said when we got rid of prayers in schools, which was in, what, the 60s, I think. Which would mean that we we were a better moral country, better moral country, when we had Jim Crow or slavery. And I just, it's difficult for, like, I can't wrap my mind around it. And so I'm just trying to pin you down on, like, do you recognize the ramifications of what you're saying? No, I fully recognize and and I fully understand the ramifications of slavery. As I told you, we lost, we fought a war over it in the nation that, that, that cured the greatest injustice on this continent. They're, Curing would happened. be a strong way to put it, but. <laughs> no, no, but no, there, there was a war. We, we paid a dear price for slavery in the country. And that's, that's a totally different topic from the fact that since the early 1960s, when this social shift occurred uh, in the early 60s and where we've, where we've come from since then. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Tim James. That running- was a good. That, hey, Jacob, that was a good. I like where you're going, but you, you're going down two different tracks that are disconnected. All right. Well, I, I mean, I think that it's all, I think that it's all connected. I think that the, the moral value of a country, you know, I think that, I think that we, when we talk about the morality of the country, I think that we have to talk about every, you know, that's that's the morality of the country. That's everything that we're talking about as it relates to morals. And so even if we were even if I had a framework that like 
it's really, really bad to be gay, which like I don't I don't care really one way or another. But even if I had that framework, I would think that having gay people running around kissing is like less bad than Jim Crow or slavery. And that's like not difficult for me to grok. And I've had people who believe that being gay is a sin who agree with me that oh you know what after like we've talked about this you're right i think that maybe i'll rethink this and and like yeah it's you know it is less bad that a country is not like that we're accepting of gay people than when we were accepting of slavery and jim crow like i just i think that i think that that's an easy thing to say myself but i've appreciated the conversation i've appreciated your willingness to come on uh maybe we can get you on sometime for a shorter chat just to check up on you uh and i really i want to say this because like as i predicted the last half of the conversation was a bit more um was a bit more contentious i appreciate what you said about the coal miners and uh and 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 those folks and i'll make sure that we hold you to it if you get in okay well, Jacob, thank you for having me. And I and I I like your I like your fighting spirit. You look like my kind of guy. You just you're a little bit off on some stuff, but we'll keep working with you and maybe get you back on track. I think we ran about 30, 40, 35% together and we disagreed on about 65. Is that about right? I thought we were actually a little bit, maybe even a little 50, bit 50. closer than that myself. Yeah, it might have been 50-50, but I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna work on you. Just get we'll go a little, you're gonna be a work in progress. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe ho- ho- good- who knows? Maybe time uh time I'm done with you, you'll be on my team. We'll see. <laughs> All right. You All have right, a happy, happy Easter. Yep. Happy Easter. Thanks for talking to us. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.